Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Amen. Acts and the second chapter. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Amen. If you're not familiar with the Bible, you can go to two Acts. I want to say that uh, the Lord's been good to us. Thank you, Brother Kerrigan. This, you sense you're in the presence of a saint of God when you're around Brother Kerrigan. And a man of God. And I'm humbled to be around him. And if you young preachers in the building could ever learn anything about that submission he is just talking about. Now how does an 80 year old man or whatever it is. Not sure how old you are Brother Kerrigan. But how can a man that age say to a 46 year old. It's because he's not submitting to Dean McNeese boys. He's submitting to the authority of God. (laughs) And you can't hardly find two thimbles worth of submission in the average Baptist church. Not nowhere you can't find it. You usually can't find it in the pastors. Much less anywhere else. And so that's the reason a man's been in one place for several decades is submission. I just studied behind a great preacher and he said that the authority of ministry is submission. (laughs) And that's an amazing thing that he just said, but it's one of the most foundational principles. Jesus submitted to his father Jesus was subject to his mother when she was sassing. She was the first Roman Catholic, Mary was, and the first theological liberal in the New Testament. When she left him at the temple for three days, she came back and said, Son, She didn't say son of David, the Messiah. She didn't say son of God. She didn't say son of Mary. (laughs) Y'all ain't helping me. And then that's his first Roman Catholic. He's the first one that inserted her her authority there. And then she is the first theological liberal. She said, thy father and I have sought that the... And what? You know, girls, if I'd have been the one that had the virgin birth, it seemed like I wouldn't have forgot that. Like you can forget the milk and you can even forget a kid at church sometimes. But you ain't going to forget the virgin birth. (laughs) Are you? She did. How in the world could she do that? Well, you and I have had a miraculous birth, Christ in us. Yes. Oh, 
And seem like we can forget it sometimes. And He's still in us after our birth. Maybe just the Lord have to have mercy on all of us. I'm thankful. After nearly 20 years of being an evangelist, somebody made me a prayer card. <laughs> I thought that was great. Took me a couple of decades to get up to speed. That might help me book a meeting, huh? Brother Manley, come here and get some of them prayer cards and hand it to some of these pastors and give them a red field too. Give one to Brother Kerrigan and Brother Griffith, Brother Turner, any of the other pastors. Brother Manley is one of our missionaries going to Albania in our Albania ministry. Hand it out to some of them preachers being and then put it in the back somewhere or back here in the front. And I want you young preachers to go. There's also a gentleman that's made me a new website. And I want you to go and register your email and you can get the Joshua Generation articles. We're writing articles for young preachers. There's so many stinking liberals out there. We're going to have to tell some of these young preachers how to stay away from them. It's like 95% of my friends thought it would be cool to be contemporary. And so there they went. And I, and I want all these young guys to know that you ought to just stay with the old paths. So I'm writing articles trying to, because the Lord told me to. I'm in Acts chapter 2. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? You boys go to that new website, deanmcneese.com, sign up for the Joshua Generation articles. And uh, they tell me I don't know anything about technology. It'll ping your pad on your iPod and, and stuff like that, they tell me. Up until four months ago, I had a flip phone that was 20 years old. I feel like a liberal. Got me a smartphone. I may start preaching against me and my smartphone. I think I'm against it. I got one, I think. Because it ain't making me look smart, I tell you. That thing right there. Thank the Lord. Our Father, we need your touch. We need your help. Lord God, we need your breath. You said that when I am weak, then we're strong. And our weakness comes, your strength has to come, and we rely on you tonight. Lord, thank you for the eternal things you've been doing. Now, Lord, here in a little while, let Jesus get real big. (laughs) Nobody needs to leave here thinking anything about Brother Dean, just an old pile of flesh. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. Amen. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Grant that tonight, Lord. Let us fall over in your treasure chest and, and joy in Christ. God change us eternally in these meetings these weeks. And I thank you for it in Christ's name and all the Lord's people said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kerrigan. Thank you, men of God, for coming and making it a priority to support the gospel ministry. Satan's won such a great victory in this hour by our hectic schedules. 
And we're doing everything but the thing that we ought to be doing. When I was a preacher, a kid pastor, I started at 21. and had an old friend from Mississippi, and he took me aside and just rebuked me. And he said, son, I was pastoring a First Baptist church. And uh, is independent. It was real independent. <laughs> it's, it's that all kind of And he said to me, he said, "Son, uh, your 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 calendar's full, but your closet's empty." And he said, "You let them have their parties, and they'll go see their great aunt when she gets her toes straightened out." And that, he said, "You get in your prayer closet." And that helped me right there. And uh, I'm in Acts chapter two. So we thank you. Brother Turner, thank you for the choir. And that lifted our spirits. And we're grateful for it. Amen. Good to see Brother Shane Ezels. That's my friend right there. And old Ben. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, that tent meeting. The power of God, huh? Wasn't that something? I'm glad there's still some young preachers around because I got a 12-year-old boy and two little girls. And, and, and it's good to know that there's going to be somebody around still preaching. Hallelujah. Mm, boy, it feels foggy in here, Pastor. Hallelujah. We've seen some good things over the last two or three days. I'll tell y'all about it when I get time. Been some funerals and some services. I've been, I don't know how many hours of services just in the last four days. And uh, when people getting saved. Amen. I ain't got time to tell you. Don't know what it'd mean to you anyway. You don't know them, but it's some stuff that like people's been praying for for, tw- for 20 years. <laughs> in the last two days, I've got to see some things. I'm about to run. I got no strength, but I might had already. I may have already run, and y'all missed it. Y'all, Baptists are so slow. You didn't even see me. And so tonight, I come with three simple thoughts. It's all we can handle tonight. Acts chapter two, verse. Three, there's that fire. See verse three? There appeared unto them cloven tongue like as a fire that sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness right there? I'm going to say something. Don't y'all waste my time tonight. I'm going to say something. You better back me up just right. The signs and wonders are not for the Gentiles in the church age. The fire can still fall, and the whole and the holy the filling of the Holy Ghost can still take place, but it won't be evident by sight or by signs. The only time you had speaking in tongues in the Book of Acts, they were Jews present and apostles present. So it's enough of that. You get full of the Holy Ghost, you won't turn into a woman preacher. There's enough people turning into women anyway. That's really strange. It'd be awful for you men to turn into a woman, but then to be a woman preacher, that'd be just really, you know. But. Bruce should have stuck with Wheaties. 
must have got a hold of a box. He must have got a hold of a box of Fruit Loops. You think? <laughs> Which is one of my favorite cereals. But I'm watching myself. Make sure it ain't no. I'm already against. I'm against my smartphone and I'm against my Fruit Loops. One more strike and I'm going under church discipline of my own. I'm gonna turn myself in. <laughs> and so in chapter 2 verse 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting Ten seconds right here it may help a young preacher. Just ten seconds. The Lord started my preaching ministry when I was around. He called me when I was 13, but I mean when He sent me into the ministry. I was 19 or 20 and the Holy Ghost gave me a little word on I feel a wind. I feel a breeze. I feel a breeze. Out of Psalm 18 or 16, or read Psalms, you'll find this little phrase. It said, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. Yes, sir. And when Jesus was describing the uh, John chapter 3, and he's telling Nicodemus about the Spirit, he said, it's the wind. You see, you feel that wind right there. Yeah. And then here he came as a rushing mighty wind. And uh, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongue like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's my burden. Hey, Brother Sound, man, turn, uh, go back up to where we was. I liked it better. Thank you. And then, yeah, there you go. And my burden is this. And the Holy Ghost showed me this only just maybe two weeks ago, Pastor. I'm telling you, men of God, something. The Lord gave me a rest in December. And I ain't talking about physical. He gave me a rest. I entered into a rest that may have been a long time coming. And I wasn't even expecting it. And He did. (laughs) And when I entered into that rest... Stepped out in January, God put some heavenly heights on us. Enlarged our coast. Can I get a witness right there? And I knew what that was. And uh, I'm like the pastor tonight. I'd like to see a real revival. Now the old enemy, he don't like it. He'll counterpunch. I got two calls coming down the road. There have been too many people getting saved, too many doors getting opened, too much power being poured out. I got a call on the interstate in Georgia, a call on the interstate in South Carolina. He's both counterpunches. Last one left me trembling a little bit. I'm sick. But you know what? Greater is he that has hit me. And don't you boys be surprised when you get in the fight and you get hit. That's when all the mama's boys go home. 
I started a journey many years ago. <laughs> I think I'll just go with God. Mm. I'd like to see a real revival. The Lord put me in Thailand and Uganda and our Albania is exploding. And if you think national devils are tough, wait until them international devils tackle you. You go over to sea and smack them pagan devils, them strong power. They'll come back to America and try to gang tackle you. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm in the fight. Even when there ain't no fight in me, I'm glad I'm in the fight. I got an elder brother come along and whoop you if you mess with me. What would happen, this comes right out of the scriptures. This is just careful step by step in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost told me to look at what would happen after the fire falls. Help me now. I'm going to preach on what to expect when the fire falls. Don't let some of these hyper dispensations tell you Acts 2 is a one time event and that you can never have anything like that again. I've already told you you're not going to have the signs and wonders like that. But honey, the fire could fall in here tonight and we could get filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that. And a lot of our formal brethren, and I love them, appreciate their efforts. They're going to get to heaven and realize they could have shouted the whole way there. you know. But they're good men, but they're just afraid to be happy. And uh, I got news for you. They'll, they'll stop you right there at 1 Corinthians 12. By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And they're scared to go past salvation. Well, I'm glad the Holy Spirit baptized me into Christ. But I also read that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And I ain't scared of that. I can't help it. The devil started a false revival and filled the 1900s with a bunch of goofy, flake nut, extra biblical revelation, charismatic Pentecostals. Honey, God will still baptize us. He'll fill this place with God tonight. He'll fill us with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Long after you've been saved. Fill you with the Holy Ghost. Drown you in it. Dunk you in it. We are Baptists and we leave out what it's all about. Amen, preacher. And so without any more with that, because God will do it no matter what the boys keeping score on the sidelines say. He'll be God. And that fire can fall. And then I just looked at what happened next. That's all I did. And you young preachers, I love you. Amen. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. You just keep listening. Yes, sir. Amen, preacher. I might know something. I've watched you for a year and a half now. Amen. You just say amen when I say stuff. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come off the bus, off the bus ministry. No. Pick these boys up. No, he's not. Yeah. Grandparents weren't here. Grandparents. Yes. Amen. Amen. Next time I tell you you're called to preach, say amen. <laughs> you boys, you boys studying the Bible and preaching the Bible. All you gotta do is just see what's in the Bible. Sure. 
Right. You got to make up no sermons. Quit worrying about them rhyming and being pretty. You'll mess it up trying to make you a sermon. That Bible, it'll lay right out there. It'll lay right out there. Now here's what I'm saying. Three things. I find somebody's called a priest and tell them that. Three things right there. Here's the first thing. It's in verse 6. Look at it. Verse 6. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Pastor, I've seen this. Call it an, a great undoing. First thing that happened when the fire fell, some monumental things were reversed. Two things in the text. Number one, the Tower of Babel was reversed. This was the opposite of the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, all the people got together and started playing like they was God. And they use creation language. Go to, let us build a tower. Let go to, let us make a name. And they're trying to make a way into the heavens without God. And God came down and He scattered them all by confusing their tongues and their languages. And He, and he quartered them off and sent them all the way into different parts of the earth. Help me right there. Now, right here, he done a reverse on it. I skip verse 5. Look at it. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of what? Every nation under heaven. I'm going to go ahead and believe my King James Bible right there. And if he said every nation under heaven was there that day and they heard them in their own tongues... God went down to when man had congregated together in a great rebellion and he scattered them with tongues and languages and different nationalities and there they went and here he came and he, and he brought them all back together and he just went back through that and turned that whole thing around. And he had them all in one place, I'm about to run, in one spot and he let them hear every man in his own language. Amen. And I just want to stop and say that what God will do after Calvary and what God will do with the work of the cross and what God does in the church and what God does with the wonderful gospel is that He'll just turn things around. Big things. It's an undoing. Let me show the other one so you can enter into the spirit of this glorious thing here that happened. Tell you something else that happened. How many got saved in verse 41? Simon Peter jumped up and went to preaching. And he got done preaching in verse 41. Tell me how many got saved. 3,000. That's how I said about 3,000 souls. All right. In Exodus 33, verse 28 or verse 11 or somewhere read Exodus, you'll find this verse. How many got killed on the day that God gave the law? There was 3,000. Isn't that beautiful? Moses came off that mount 
had them stone tablets in his hand. There's a lot of lessons to learn right here. He came off that mountain. He come down that mountain. And after being in the very presence of God, and I mean fasting, I don't even think he had no water. Forty days on that mountain with God, and he cut, and he wasn't even down the mountain, and he lost his temper. Heard them partying, heard them dancing, heard them in their idolatry, and it angered him so that he took them stone tablets and threw them down and broke them. And God's judgment and wrath came in that day. You read in Exodus 33. It's verse 11 or verse 28. It's verse 28. And, and uh, 32, 28. And, and there was 3,000 that was killed. So I want to say this, and y'all better help me real good or I'll be disappointed. And I get disappointed, I preach an extra 20 minutes just for like personal therapy reasons. So y'all better act like you're enjoying it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say it like this and y'all help me. On the day that God gave the law, 3,000 died. But on the day that God opened up the grace of the gospel of God, 3,000 got saved. Amen. And I'm just seeing some big things there. The church aids opened. Simon Peter had them two keys hanging around his neck. I believe what old Dr. Phillips said in Acts 2, he stuck one key in and he opened up the gospel to the Jews. And in Acts 10, he took that other key and opened it up to the Gentiles. And then he handed the baton to the Apostle Paul and he ran with the rest. Woo! It made me shout, it must be right. Oh my... Thank God. Here came the gospel. It had been a long time coming. God sent His Son. Then His Son was sent back into the heavens. Here came the Holy Ghost. There was the church full. And Peter stood up and preached. And look what all got turned around. God brought the nations back together and let them hear it in His own tongue. God saved 3,000 that day instead of killing 3,000 that day. In my notes, I just scribbled these two words down there. thought it might help somebody. The Tower of Babel, God undid the confusion. And with the law and the grace, God undid the condemnation. And I just want to stop and say, do you remember the day that the gospel came to you? The power of God came to your life. And there was a lot of confusion that got reversed and there was a lot of condemnation that got reversed. Thank God if the fire fell in here this week, there'd be some things turned around. Turned around! I remember hearing Billy Kelly preach and I was a kid pastor in my middle 20s. And you know, Brother Griffith down there in Florida, they'd all meet up there in Uly in that camp meeting, you know, up north above Jacksonville. And I heard Billy Kelly preaching, Oh, God can turn it around. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I wrote down everything he said, and I still preach that message every once in a while. There's about 20 points to it. You can't belabor any point. You just tell them what God can do. 
God can move mountains. God can save any sinner. God can answer your impossible prayer. God can fetch your... I may preach it right now. God can fetch your prodigal. God can heal your wounds. God can restore your family. God can help you with your pain. Oh my, I wrote down 20 things that God can do. I was holding one of my preacher boy meetings one year and I gave him all five minutes and a young man hopped up in the power of God and he said, I'm going to, he said, how long do I got? I said, you got five minutes. And he said, I'm going to preach on what God can do in five minutes. (laughs) We got happy about that. God can do anything he wants to in five minutes. God will turn the sun backwards if he wants to. Didn't he do that for Hezekiah? Isaiah? See, God can turn things back. About to run. The same God who walked down in there and split mankind up and sent them everywhere in a confusion can bring them all back into one place in one lump and turn that thing around. Woo! The same God that expelled Adam out of the garden, out of paradise. Amen. That same, he became the second Adam, walked back into another garden, got all of us by the hand, and escorted us back into paradise. God can reverse the curse. These family curses and these family generations. I know God can do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You ever see that beautiful psalm that he let the sons of Achan sing? Amen. That thing got turned around somehow. Oh, ain't you glad that God can turn it around? He'll reverse the curse. He'll reverse the curse. Them Jericho waters, God cursed them and said, The man, anybody rebuilds this city of Jericho, there'll be a curse on them. And brother, they rebuilt that thing and there was a curse. And here come Elisha. Help me now. Old man, I studied behind and said Elijah was a type of the law and Elisha's a type of grace. Elijah came, most of his miracles were judgment. But Elisha came back through that Jordan. (laughs) And most of his miracles were restoration. He had a double portion. And the first thing he did on the other side of Jordan, them men of Jericho said, Hey, our water is not, and our ground is barren. Well, there's a reason for that. The place had been cursed by God. But here came the grace preacher. Amen. He took a little leather flask and he filled it with salt and he went down to the fountainhead of that spring and he put it in there and he said, God has healed these waters. Isn't that encouraging to know that God can turn around something that he put in place? He'll turn it around. Your confusion and your condemnation. Well, there's a great undoing. Number two, here's what happened when the fire fell. Not only was there a great undoing, 
We come down here. Verse 7, they all were amazed and marveled, began to talk to each other. And then there's 17 nations mentioned. Beginning in verse 9, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews, Cretes and Arabians. You go home, count them. I counted them for a year. There's 17 <coughs> nations mentioned. Five seconds. This is free. This is another sermon for another day. But I studied the number 17 one time. That's the number of victory. When John got caught up in the throne room, Revelation 4 and 5, it said throne 17 times. There are 17 things at the end of Romans chapter 8 that will never separate you from the love of God. The book of Psalms mentions Jerusalem 17 times. 1 Thessalonians, the rapture book, says brethren 17 times. And on and on and on is a long, beautiful list. All of them patriarchs of the faith were 17 men. Noah went in the ark on the 17th day. He come out on the 17th day. You, you go look at the age of the patriarchs and every one of them, their age is divisible by 17. And the odds of that is, is really astounding. The odds of that is astounding because 17 is it's the seventh prime number. Now, I don't take any follow-up questions on these things here, people. I have to phone a friend when you do that. What did you mean? Get back with you on that. But it's the seventh prime number. Amen. Seven's a number of perfection. And, it's the, and a prime number can't be divided. Help me right there. If you get this thing on the right foundation, you can't divide Amen, it. Amen. You can't defeat it. Amen. It's on a perfect, complete foundation. Yes, and God allowed 17 nations to be mentioned right there. Why? Because the gospel is going to be victorious. The word elect is in the Bible 17 times. And on and on. Well, I thought you deserved to know that. You came on a Monday night, 17, verse 12. And they were all amazed. Here's my second thing that I see. And it's right in the Bible. Hey, we're not making nothing up, folks. We're preaching the Word of God. First thing that happens, God undid some awful things that had been done a long time ago because of man's sin. (laughs) And if that fire falls, He can undo some things. Thought I was done with that point. He can fix some things in your families that nobody's been able to fix for a long time. He can fix some things in your heart. He can undo. He can unravel some knots. If the fire fell in this church this week. God could come in here and, and a great undoing, a reversal yes. on some things that need to be freed up. Wouldn't that be something? Yes, don't look around like I wonder what's going on. We all need help. Every church I know needs help. Every preacher I know needs help. Me, I'm the first one. Every Christian I know needs help. Guess what? God came along to help us. 
That's really about all he's interested in is helping us. Woo! Feeling better than I thought it was. The second thing that happened was all these religious people got tore up. I, I wrote it down. Here's how I wrote it down, Brother Kerrigan, in my study. There was a great undoing, and then there's a great undermining. Look what these religious, and they were the most religious people in the world. They were there at a feast time to worship. Watch this. It's verse 12. Look at all these religious people from all over the world. And they were all amazed. They were astonished. And they were in... Keeping my King James Bible, people. I bet doubt was just too complicated for this modern generation. They had to put another word in there. Mud, chocolate pudding, Bugs Bunny. Just whatever crosses their mind, this is a better word. Goofballs. Hey, you can't have it both ways. You can't stand out there and you high, haughty, humanistic, atheistic, evolutionist thumbing your suspenders that we are God. I'm my own God and those bunch of hickabillies are ignorant. And then turn around and say their book is so smart that we got to water it down. And, that, and what, what happened to these religious people when the power of God fell? They were in doubt. It shook the very foundations of everything they'd ever believed. And I just want to say this to all of us. Because sometimes even the best amongst us can get some little system built up. That's what old Joe Parsons called it, a system. A religious system. And you can get out of every circle and camp you want to and stand there and say, I'm going to do it. And in 10 minutes, you'll have your little system going. Yeah. Two people agree with it, and then guess what? You're in a circle. <laughs> Ain't we goofy? <laughs> we get these systems. But let me tell you what the power of God will do. It will blow apart every system that we ever came up with. And it'll put your religion, it'll just tear it up. Yes, sir. I love, I think I skipped a good verse. No, it's the next verse. They're saying one another, what meaneth this? Others mock it, these men are full of new wine. <laughs> they said, them boys done got in thoughts. They've been hitting the holiday wine a little early. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something, if the power of God fell, you would act like a bunch of drunks. Cry and slobber and hug each other and yeah. give everything away. Yeah. Forgive people you hate and fight people that need to be whipped. Amen. Amen. Circle this. That old fella from Mississippi, he was he really helped us back in the days. Circle everybody that don't mind marking your Bible. Verse twelve, there's two questions. What meaneth this? They said. And then run it over to verse 37. After Simon Peter told him what it meant, he preached the gospel. And in verse 37, they asked another question. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? And that old Mississippi preacher from down on the gulf, he said to me, 
He said, the reason they're not asking what must we do to be saved is because there ain't nothing happening to make them stop and say, what does all this mean? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen, preacher. You almost have to first have a, what meaneth this? Mm -hmm. To have a, what must we do? There's got to be a what? I don't understand what's going on. And then the next thing is, I think I need some of this. Help me now. And I've prayed for that my entire ministry. Every Bible I had, I circled that two questions and drew a line to them because that old man did it for me. He didn't ask if I liked it or not. He circled that. He said, boy, they'll never ask what... They'll never ask how can we get saved until they ask what in the world's going on here. And he drew a line to them. Revival tears up religion. And you know the truth of it is the whole world has their own religion. Even people don't go to church. They got a religion. Cain wouldn't come with the blood. He made up his own religion. And he went his own way. And all he did over there in the kingdom of Babylon and Nimrod and all them was had one religion after another. Man's always been eat up with religion. His own system of how to live forever. Revival tears everything up. They say the great Welsh revival of 1904. They said them... Welsh ponies was confused and they, and they wouldn't work down in the mines because they only could respond to kicking and cursing and a stick or a whip. But all them old boys, all them old coal miners got saved. And they quit kicking and cussing. And they was down there singing and shouting and praying and the ponies didn't understand that language. They'd never heard it. They didn't know whether to go or slow or pull or stop. <laughs> Revival tears things up. Yes, sir. Back in the 60s, it seemed like God came and got him one great harvest, probably a final great harvest in America. I don't think we've had revival since. What about that? My daddy got saved in 66. And if you go around and look at the ministries that even have anything about them today, they're, they're operating with men who got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost in the 60s. Either they did or their pastor did. There was one final, because we've not had any mass revivals since World War II. Isn't it something? we got planes, trains, automobiles, technology, air-conditioned, padded pews and all that, and we can't even come close to matching this numerical success of the men who had nothing but buckboard wagons and horses and ponies and hard benches, and they'd come out by the tens of thousands. All the evangelists who operated in the late 1800s up into the mid-1900s had great revivals. They'd go for weeks and thousands to get saved without a sound system or some silly group singing. Don't get me off right there, please. Don't get me off right there. Don't get me off on that. Don't you got me off on that, didn't you, right there. Ain't nothing more goofy than a bunch of southern gospel industry entertainment, a bunch of clown hair and silly, and got all their microphones and all their moves and all their conventions and all their concerts. Help me right there. It'll sicken a spiritual man. 
that ain't too popular up in the Carolinas. The only thing worse than that is this modern, flaky, hippie, new age, contemporary. All these little contemporary boys. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And the only thing worse than that is the boys who act like they ain't contemporary when they're hanging around old-fashioned boys. And then next week in that other meeting, they'll have another flavor, another Jesus, another spirit to go with the crowd and go with the offering. Crowds always got on my nerves and offerings, whether it's 10 or 10,000, Jesus paid the bills. It don't matter. Help me right there. You'll have what you need at the end of the day and you don't need nothing else. You don't need man and you don't need money. You don't need to be a smart aleck, young boys. You need to be full of the Holy Ghost and be humble. But all you need is God. If you ever end up preaching, that's all you're going to need is God. The way he acted at the red field, it just, I'm telling you, but we'll leave him alone. My mama got saved in revival. She was kind. She was moral. She never sold wild oats. She was a preacher's daughter, and then she was the preacher's wife. (laughs) She was lost. She wasn't trying to be. She just was. She's never been anything but good. I don't care if you're eating off the evil side of the tree or the good side. It's the wrong tree. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't care what side you're eating off of, you're going to hell. There's another tree. It's a tree of life. And you got to get off that tree of good and evil. You'll go to hell good, you'll go to hell evil. These good, upstanding, moral, and, and here's the shame, but it's just the truth. It's always been this way, and you'll never fix it, and God ain't even worried about it. There's better people living right out there in the world than a lot of times in the church. Their character, their integrity, their morality, their uprightness. You know, and a lot of us in here are just a train wreck. It's a wonder God ain't killed half of it. Help me now. But ain't none of this operating off good, evil, or messed up, or all made up. We're operating off of the grace of God. It's the only thing we're operating off of. Some of you all made up. Ain't nothing ever been wrong with you. And I mean, we're glad for you. You'll slide into hell quicker with that stuff. And you will, the old boy staggers in here, got more problems. Ain't no psychologist can fix. It's going to take grace to help all of us. <laughs> My daddy went to revival, Brother Griffith, for nine straight weeks. He was the drunkard's son. I've never heard him talk about it. Something's wrong with preachers who want to glorify their old life of sin. <clears throat> You smell that on a preacher trying to sensationalize sin. Sometimes, sometimes you may have to tell it to help other people. But y'all know the difference. I've had to learn the terrible side of our family history from other people. 
<laughs> my daddy, you can't bring it up today. His, his countenance changes. Hey, folks, the good old days wasn't good to everybody. Amen. Back when you could hang people and back when you could beat people and back. Come on now. Yes, sir. Tell you something. Man's always been wicked. Andy Griffith was a show. Cain and Abel standing there. There wasn't a beer joint on the planet. There wasn't an abortion clinic on the planet. There wasn't a dirty picture on the planet. There wasn't Hollywood on the planet. It was just a small family and a beautiful creation. And one got saved and the other hated him and killed him for it. It's always been wicked. It's always been hard. Quit acting like it's the first time it's ever been hard to be a Christian. It's been hard from day one. What you are is a silly, self-absorbed, whiny, 21st century American. Can't quit, can't quit whining. It's what you are. Get full of the Holy Ghost and you'll rejoice in your trials and troubles and tribulations. Mama was moral. And and Daddy had come off that rough side. And he was going to become what his Daddy was. Had another family they didn't even know for years. You know, people that grow up, it's not comfortable, but a lot of people have to deal with some things. And they grow up around dope and drunks and people that ain't really their blood and and what some kids have to go through. Somebody somebody come in there and have, because there's nobody there to defend them or protect them. I'm going to tell you something. The grace of God can find you wherever you're at and fix and fix whatever sin and Satan and what somebody did to you. Why do you think our generation lost their mind? Why do you think they shaved their head and colored their hair and got nuts and bolts all through their body? Why do you think they don't even know if they're a man or a woman? They've lost their identity. Why do you think? Because that same strong devil's trying to destroy and defile God's human kind is, is at it again. My daddy God pulled him off that that evil side. They pulled mommy off the good side and he put me in the grace side. Amen. 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 So daddy got saved real good and come out of that kind of a world and just went to church every night with his preacher. I think they had a three week revival and then I think so, and then his pastor preached two weeks somewhere, and then it went on, and he went with his pastor every night for nine weeks on the Friday night of the ninth week. What did he didn't know? He didn't even know that my mama. <laughs> I'm going to call you to preach if God don't. 
can't even get around him exactly right there. You just need smacked in the head, probably, is all you need right there. Nice tie. What Daddy didn't know was that Mama had fallen under heavy conviction around week six. And and wrestled. And Mama told God on the Thursday night, I'll go forward tomorrow night. If we come back tomorrow night, I'll go then. <laughs> and Daddy got a headache that day, a migraine, painting at the steel factory. Came in sick, sat in the recliner. He said, I'm too sick and tired. We just It's the last night anyway. There's no more meeting scheduled this and then he said, the Holy Ghost told him, uh, better get up and go. Amen. I'm going to show some of you young converts and you young people something. What if daddy had sat there? Six of us kids, four boys, two girls, all six of us in full-time ministry. Not a liberal in the bunch. And they're all preaching and everybody married the preacher in the ministry. Amen. And daddy's had great ministry for 40-something years and preacher boys the whole time. They're serving the Lord everywhere. He was just a simple country man, but he had fruit, fruit, fruit. Amen. He didn't even know how. Yeah. All the smart boys and the big boys and the polished boys all talking about it and they all falling to pieces. Daddy's over there saying, I don't know, let's go pray. (laughs) And everybody just turned out right. What if he and I'm listening to that still small voice? You think stuff don't hinge on one little moment? That's good. You think eternal things don't hinge on one little bitty thing. It's called obedience. And that's why it's better than sacrifice. And rebellion and stubbornness, you might as well be a witch. You might as well be a devil-possessed, practicing Satanist witch to have any stubbornness or rebellion in your spirit. You, you ain't no different than a witch. Because that's all God needs to pour all of heaven in you is a little obedience. Yes, sir. How could an old man of God tell a young evangelist? Now, I'm not young to these boys, but I'm young when I'm, I'm a preacher boy standing right here. Okay? But how could he say to a young evangelist, you're my pastor now the rest of the week? I tell you how. It's called a heart that says, God, I'm all yours. Amen. You want to use this boy to talk to me? I said, let him talk. Some of you ain't never listened to nobody on nothing. 
And you're going your own way, and that way seems right to you, but the end of that way is death. What if Daddy hadn't? He got up out of that recliner and said, I can be sick at church. He had no idea my little mama walked down in front of everybody and she said, I'm lost. And then God said, not no more. Amen. Amen. Yes, Was till you said it. If you'll ever say, I'm lost, God will tell you you're saved. We need to... All right, let's go to the last one. When we get this third one in here, all and this is the Bible. We didn't skip nothing and didn't make nothing up. It's just the next three things that happened. There was a great undoing when the fire fell. There was a great undermining of religion and of all their foundations. And then I love verse 14. But Peter, standing up, If you if you don't do this, I'm not going to take. But if you'll turn back two pages, Peter had fell down. <laughs> He'd fell down. He'd blasphemed Christ. I hate it that he did it, but I'm glad I heard him do it because it helped me when I act stupid. To know that God can stand you back up. I, I'll give you my third point in a minute. I want you to soak in it. Remind me to give him a third point. fellow who ain't called to preach but probably is. Remind me to do the third, to tell them. Because they need to be told, but I don't feel like telling them yet. I just love the way it says that. Because I ended John's gospel. He's naked. He's quit the ministry. He's went back to his old life because he's so ashamed that he'd cursed. He'd boasted earlier that evening, Lord, I'm ready for prison and for death. And a little girl backed him down. And he went way down. He hid them keys that day. I don't know the man. I'm not one of them. I bet he couldn't believe he was saying it when he said it. And I just love when I was reading this, I just saw it. But Peter, standing up. I couldn't go no further. And I want to say this. If the power of God falls this week, there will be some people who are really down because they've fallen down and God will stand them back up. <laughs> Peter, look at the verse. Standing up, what does it say? With the eleven. Them rascals too had been hiding. They've been hiding in that upper room for fear. They're all standing up together. 
Amen. And I love it. In the next two words, right? Lift it up. Am I right? Yeah. There's a lot of up going on. And if the Lord come in and just was merciful and let the fire fall and the power of God, there'd be a lot of up stuff going on. There'd be people getting up, standing up, speaking up, and straightening up. Looking up. Getting up. I said it before, but it's felt good. And I call this a great undertaking. These boys have been called to start the church age. And so here they're getting under it. And they're going, all right, boys, let's go. Hey, never thought about this till just now in my life. The little conversation when they decided to leave the room. Never thought about this till just now. Amen. I'd like to have been there. Who said, boys, we need to get out there. I wonder who said it. I wonder who opened the door. Come on, guys. He told us. He saved us. He found us back yonder. He called us, nobody else, just us. Let's get out of this room. Let's go. A great undertaking. There's three fires. Can I say it in 20 seconds? That's all I'm interested in, 20 seconds. In chapter 18, verse 18, the enemy had a fire and it said that Peter stood with them. You're in trouble when you start standing with the wrong crowd. But then I love it. He turned the page to chapter 21. And before this big fire in Acts 2, it's the third fire, <clears throat> before the Acts 2, the fire from heaven, I mean, before all that, Jesus got Peter to a little fire. Right. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you this. If you've ever fallen far from God, he'll, he'll bring you to a real sweet little personal fire first where just you and Him do business. You won't be restored on the grand stage. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to be honest with you, whatever avenues you left us on, He'll bring you right back through there. In chapter 18, verse 18 of John, it said He stood by a fire of coals. And so John 21 and verse something, verse 9, said that Jesus had prepared a fire and it was a bed of coals. That's when they were naked and fishing. And Peter was a leader because everybody went with him. Jesus stood on the shore and Simon Peter saw him and dove in the water. Yeah. <laughs> has a little baptism of sorts. <laughs> Leave me alone. I ain't thought that one through good yet. <laughs> and he jumped in that water. He done tried walking on the water and now he's swimming. Oh yeah, I'm seeing several things. Yeah. Leave me alone. And he got up on that shore. Oh, this is so beautiful. 
three times. Simon Peter denied the Lord around a little bed of coals. So three times the Lord let him reinstate himself just in front of the boys. He's so kind and gracious. Jesus standing there and said, Quitters! Get over here! No, that may be your NIV, but not the King James. You bunch of Benedict Arnolds! No. Children? He called his children in. Have you any meat? Come here. Peter skulking, dripping, a robe. Jesus, you boys eat. Good to see you. Love you, boys. And I'm working on, hey, Dr. Easy L, I'm working on what was on that fire of restoration. And then Jesus, Simon, and everybody hushed. Whoa, here we go. Here we go. How bad is it going to be? Is he going to be condemned to hell for blasphemy? I mean, them boys think, I mean, Daddy used to come up to our room. How bad was it going to be? But Jesus said, you love me? Yeah. Lovest thou me? Found his voice. <laughs> Lovest thou me? I told you I did. Lovest thou me more than me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Everybody eat. We're done. (laughs) He's back in. He's an amazing father. He knows when to whoop you and he knows when just to... You love me, son. And see, that little fire got him restored that day for the big fire that would fall on him. Buried one of my dear friends yesterday. Hey, Ben, Shane is is the man who's the caretaker of the Redfield. Oh, my my preacher friend, Dan. Yeah, you prayed for him yes, with that sir. head cancer. Yes, sir. Well, we buried him yesterday. But I've never seen so much victory. I've never seen so much victory on a wife and a son. And that boy been out on heroin and been locked up. He done got cleaned up, suited up. Repented up, wept up. And this morning, before I come here, told his ma, told his mama and them, which could mean several different things. But he told his mama and them, I want to tell Brother Dean, I want to have a meeting with him. 
before he goes to his next revival. <laughs> There's a reason the devil's been swinging at me. We're pulling them out of the fire. Can I get a witness right there? You get close to the fire and snatch them out of his hands. He'll throw stuff at you. I stick my tongue out of him and, and use ugly words and tell him ugly things. That's what I tell the devil. I ain't praying for him. I tell him what me and the Lord think about him. And then sometimes I add, I add my own stuff sometimes. Look at the Lord. Was that all right? And Lord, I ain't never, I ain't got in trouble yet. Amen. <laughs> Told me how he died. His two sons. And he said, I was in there with daddy. And said, my older brother, I've never heard him pray in my life. That's what he said. But that older brother's having revival too. I mean, a God shaking revival. And that older brother said, I'm going to pray with you, Dad. And he said, Father. And he quit breathing. Mm. <laughs> he said, there were angels in the room because yeah. you couldn't breathe. Yeah. He said, the boy looked up, two sons, one on either side. Father. And their daddy went. <sighs> and never breathed again. Me and old Caleb just wept there and he said, we looked at our father and he took our daddy. (laughs) He said, daddy went to be with father and father was with us. He said, daddy left and father came. That boy's still trying to figure it out in a good way. He said, I can't explain to you this day after he buried his daddy. He said, this is the best day I've ever had in my life. It's full of God. <laughs> yes, sir. He brings victory out of the people. Oh, man. Ain't you glad that you got a father who yes, restore you? Yes, sir. And if that power of God falls, things that have been down will get up. He looked at me today and said, God's called me to preach. Amen. Been knowing it for a year. He said, I ain't going to tell anybody till all this passes. They'll think I'm just doing it out of emotion. He said, but when my brother said father and my daddy went to heaven, he said, I can't explain to you what God did inside of me. Yeah. Yes, amen. Well, folks, that's it. If that power falls, there will be a monumental undoings. There will be some real undermining's, and it don't bother me. The Lord shake up everything, and everybody be tore up. That don't bother me a lick. I don't go around and preaching false doctrine and creating confusion. Help me right there. There's no need in that foolishness. I'm just saying, if the power of God falls, it'll undermine and even the best of them. We'll get tore up. And that's good for us. Sometimes we start building little systems on the side of how this thing works. It tears them up. I want somebody to come to the piano. Our heads are bowed. I want you to find your place and help us pray.
know these folks here from several churches. This this altar is wide open. Let's all come pray if you can. Let's pray for that power to fall. Everybody stand. Make it easy to move around. If you need to be saved, you better get saved while you can. If your heart's cold, you better come and get it warmed up. If you've got unconfessed sin, come confess it. Confess it to the Lord.